You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota baseball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Go get that first down and get a touchdown, rock Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer. I'm joined by 1500 ESPN Judd Zolgad of the Mackie and Judd Morning Show. Ben Gessling is on vacation this week, Judd, so it's just going to be you and I. Where's the devotion? Where's the dedication? Where's the want to? You know... I think after he left his family on his wife's birthday to go down to to Houston to visit Adrian on Father's Day, that he had the two kids and the wife to get back to and kind of give. give Why time is Adrian to, Peterson so. more important than we are? <laughs> than us? Yeah, that's a good question. We'd have to. We'd have I mean, to ask him about that. I can go see Adrian, or I can I can skip the Adrian thing in order to be with. With Andrew and Judd, to me, it's pretty simple. Or to be with his family. Where, where do we fit in the family yeah, Adrian hierarchy? We're Gessling. probably number three. You got to ask Ben <laughs> where your priorities at right now. Because right now, I don't see him being where they should be. Uh, and today, on June 30th, we're going to have a grab bag of Minnesota Vikings topics. Uh, just Judd and I bouncing back and forth and buy or sell on Cordero Patterson, Teddy Bridgewater storylines, Adrian Peterson. A couple of Vikings veterans were pe- uh, pegged in a national most overpaid list we'll get into that a little bit the vikings are actually also a disciplined team now on and off the football field so knock on wood yeah this is so gonna jinx that whole thing (laughs) i can't wait till you get to this leave it leave it to the grinch to point that out i'm trying to bring something good up here i gotta live up to my name (laughs) come on also matthew stafford said something that was uh pretty laughable a couple weeks ago and i want to get to that so first of all Judd, you brought this up off air, and I thought it was a good idea in bringing up the fact that Cordero Patterson recently said, and I believe this was via the St. Paul Pioneer Press, about how he was wanting to work harder, about how he had sloughed off, admittedly, in the first couple of years. And it just reminded me an interview I had done with Cordero last year at the beginning of training camp. And at this point, he was trying to earn his starting rollback after being benched in his first season under Norv Turner in 2014. Cordero tells me in July 2015 my first two years, I wasn't focused. I was just out playing. My work ethic wasn't where it's supposed to have been. This year, I feel like I'm working harder than I normally do. That's a good thing for me. Just show the coaches I'm worth it, and it goes on. Now, Judd, this was last year, not this year. So okay. we're, seeing a, we're seeing a pattern here with Mr. Patterson, and I want to ask you, do you buy or sell the fact that this year, and I'm setting the bar pretty low to start, obviously, but that this year, do you buy the fact that this is the time he turns it around? Oh, absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. And it's not just because it's Patterson. I'm skeptical of Cordell to start with, Andrew. Uh, but how many times have you seen this already with a guy off-season? The lip service starts coming about how I've worked on this and I've turned it, turned it around. Sometimes it's off-the-field stuff. Sometimes it's on-the-field stuff. I am hesitant in a huge way to believe any of it until I actually see it, though. And listen, wide receivers are as guilty of this as anybody in sports. Wide receivers love to tell you how it's going to be different. And time and time again, it's not. And that doesn't mean that Cordero has no chance to, to turn it around. It doesn't mean that he's, he's lying. But your quote from a year ago is perfect because now he's saying the exact same thing. Cordero Patterson is very good, I think, at telling people what they want to hear. Unfortunately, what happens with Cordero a lot is he then fails to deliver on that. And so... Of anything, there's so much nonsense that you get during an offseason in football, but of all the nonsense that we potentially heard this offseason, to me, I'd put this atop the list of, I don't believe anything till I see it. And I have to agree with you there. We're going to start off one for one agreeing on each other because I just think with Cordero, and it's it's obvious we're not saying anything that's not completely obvious, sure. uh, we're seeing that pattern now with him where even though he's only 24 years old, we're not going to write him off completely as an NFL receiver, but we're talking about the one year he's now got left uh, to earn a long-term extension in Minnesota. He's got a lot of things working against him uh, other than his history. Also the fact that Laquan Treadwell, Charles Johnson are above him on that depth chart. Yes. Exactly. All right. How about the next one then? All right. Teddy Bridgewater in the long ball, the deep ball. That was something that they've they've worked on the mechanics with him, the footwork. They they worked on minute things to try to tweak that to get more out of that deep ball from Teddy Bridgewater. Do you believe and buy into the fact that that is something? And and I should say, Mike Zimmer had said they're focusing on it more this offseason than they had before. Do you buy into that actually converting now on field? On a scale of one to ten, with ten being absolutely and one being absolutely not, I'm actually going to give this for the offseason, a relatively fair, I think, grade of four. Out of so, ten. Yes. but I, So I'm not calling BS here. I'm calling BS on Cordero. Until I see Cordero on the field. That's actually, a one out of ten or zero out of ten? Or zero. Something. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay. I'm giving this a four. Now, I know the Vikings talked about this area of Bridgewater's game improving at various press conferences or certainly at one during the offseason here during workouts. I know that you guys went to the workouts that you were allowed into and you didn't see it. Uh, but you know what? He does. It's not as if if Bridgewater starts to occasionally hit on the long ball, it's going to be exactly that occasional. It's not going to become a huge part of the Vikings passing game. It's going to become a threat of the passing game. So while I'm not diving into the pool head first and say, and oh, they're telling the truth, it's absolutely true. I'm also not going to be surprised if they mixed it in in a few practices here and there and it was better. So as far as off-season lip service, I'm giving this a four because I think there's a chance that they will try and mix in the, the deep pass. I'm not saying it'll automatically be successful, but it's not like you're going to see it once a quarter if you do. So there's a chance, there is an off chance that this area, Andrew, could be improved. I'm going to say that there's even more of a chance of it improving, and it, I think it has to do, and I'll say if we're putting it on a 1 to 10 scale, then I would put it more of like a 5 or a 6, because I think it's going to depend more so, not just on Teddy Bridgewater himself. S certainly you want to see those passes become more accurate con with consistency in the season. Uh, we're talking about the ones that were over the head of Mike Wallace and those kinds of things. 
Um, but also, now that the offensive line is supposed to be improving, I think that will be one of the biggest factors in determining how much time he has back there to actually plant his feet, to actually be set when he's throwing a deep ball Excellent and those kinds of things. I think I've seen so many stats, uh, whether it was Football Outsiders, Pro Football Focus, uh, the sites that track the amount of time a guy has before he's hurried. And Bridgewater by far was the most hurried quarterback in the NFL last season and had, on average, like 2.8 seconds. So I think for Teddy, it's going to depend a lot on that offensive line. And then can he follow through with his own development and take that next step? And I think because of the resources the Vikings have put in this offensive line, it gives me at least confidence that this should improve. And they're not going to then all of a sudden fall apart by attrition like they did last year. Right. And and I, I think we would both also agree it's not something, uh, if they talk about it, that's not something that you say to yourself, well, they talked about it, but I didn't see it in practice, so it can't happen. You're right, especially in OTA periods, I mean, They're not going to come yeah. out in, in OTA practice and, and be like, well, we, we told the press about this, so let's show them now and air the ball out. So there's so many practices, OTA-wise, that you're not allowed into and things that I don't think they're lying about it, and I do think that there is a, there's at least an off chance that that area of Bridgewater's game is going to improve. I'm not saying it's going to be great, but it can certainly improve. And keep in mind, too, the most important thing uh, for the Viking passing game is not necessarily going to be the, um, the, the deep route, the go routes. It's going to be the short stuff that Bridgewater needs to consistently click on. And, and those are tough passes, too, because that's, that's throwing in to a very, very short window there that can be tough to complete passes into. And to me, that's the most important thing for him. What was his best game last year? It was probably the one in Arizona, right? Yeah. And the one in Arizona, he th- I think it was a career-high 335 yards. They ended up losing on the sack fumble at the end, obviously, but they were in position to tie that game, send it into overtime. Uh, but that game, when you go back and look at the film, that was one where Teddy had gotten the ball out faster than any game he had his entire career up to that point. And there, there was a reason why. All the yak yards, all that building up, like you said, the short stuff, getting the ball into the hands of the receivers, letting them do it, not the 30, 40-yard bombs that we're talking about right now. Number three, Judd, how about Adrian Peterson becoming a more complete back? Zero to ten. I'm putting this at a two. I'm not going real high. So you're not a believer in anything. Any of these three. I'm very fair. (laughs) I said four. The Bridgewater thing to me is the most believable. That the passing game is going to improve. You're right. The offensive line should be better. It should give him more time. It doesn't mean he's going to become a deep ball threat consistently, but to my point, all you need to do is create the possibility that he can complete that pass, and that opens up things for the offense. Adrian Peterson becoming a more complete back. I'm a two-on because he's played for so long now, and he is marvelous at what he does, but the Vikings, what, they, they had, I think, it was an OTA practice, right, where you guys saw him look more smooth in catching the ball. Well, that's in shorts, that's in May or June, and that is in a speed uh, uh, drill that's moving half speed. So if you're asking me, is, P- is Peterson going to become a more complete back, what you're saying is can he catch the ball during the, during the speed of a normal play in an NFL game and look fluid doing it, and also can he block? Or can he take handoffs out of the shotgun, be more fluid in that instance yeah, and, as well? And all of that to me is Adrian has he cut down on the fumbles, I will say, after 2009, and good for him. And that is one area where he did show improvement until last year. However, the rest of his game has never really changed that much. So I'm very skeptical of this far into his career, which began in 2007. Is it really going to change now? So I'm not saying there's no chance. Let me change the question then. All right. 
how about then zero to 10, the chance that he improves period, whether that's fumbles, whether that's through this versatility, just improves in general. I mean, because you don't seem to believe he will be a more versatile player. Yeah, I don't. But I still contend, and I think that he could, for instance, improve the fumbling like he has before. I think he will improve the fumbling again. I, I think that he's going to have to be, and I don't know how this is going to work, Andrew, but I think he's going to have to be more comfortable out of shotgun because I don't think you can tell Bridgewater, no, you can't do what you're good at doing. So Peterson's either going to have to adapt to that or McKinnon's going to have to play more. I'm skeptical. I'd give it a four then. I really, I know he can improve on the fumbling. Other than that, becoming a more complete back, becoming a more versatile back, he has been around since 2007. Not that much, not that many facets of his game have changed since then, so I'll give it a four. Okay, I would go around, before we even talk about the fumbling, I was thinking something around a three or a four for him in terms of my believability on him becoming a more complete back. And that doesn't mean that I think he will all of a sudden turn into a Danian Tomlinson. Of course he won't. That's just not who he is. That's not how he's wired, both mentally and physically. However, I do think that this offense could be designed to get more out of him in certain areas. Um, we've seen areas where they've gotten both Peterson and McKinnon on the field at the same time. Uh, those are those are certain areas where Peterson could be more involved in the screen game if he has a better presence on the field, all those kinds of things. Sure. I don't think it has to be as drastic as change who you are as a player, but at least add some things to where you're a little more versatile and we don't have to be so straightforward and predictable with you in the backfield. So we're done with that. I'm sorry that I was still the sports Grinch and very skeptical. Speaking of that, the Vikings have become one of the most disciplined teams really want to apologize. in the league, both on and off the football field. Yeah, this is this is such this is going in just to put this into context. We're taping this on what June thirtieth. June thirtieth. Okay, they're gunning so for their. So you are going to actually do this, and I shouldn't use the word gunning. <laughs> leading into the July Fourth weekend, and I think you we did. Go that. ahead. Hold up, we actually did this last year, and it proved to be fine. So okay. this will only come back to haunt me should something happen. Uh, from Vikings fans anyway, but they are one of like five, six NFL teams, according to a USA Today database that Mm -hmm. tracks NFL arrests above petty traffic uh, violations. They're one of a handful of teams who have not had an arrest since 2014. And the last one was Jabari Price getting a DUI uh, after the season finale in 2014. So they're going for their second straight summer without incident. And this was the least penalized team on the field last season. Judd, you laugh because I you covered— I hope I laughed at you last year, too, when you did this. Oh, and I'm sure them. you did. But you laugh now because you covered this team forever. You've, you've been around the history of it. You understand, well, just in general, the calamity of Minnesota sports. However, this—there actually seems to have been a real culture change that is producing real results outside of just mouse lip service saying, yes, we're going to change things. Yes, he's a player's coach. Yes, all these things. They're actually changing that now, whereas at least they're not getting caught with whatever they're doing. They've done a good job, yes. Yeah, Zimmer does seem to have—I like the fact that when they got done with their uh, last camp, he told the players, I don't want to hear from any of you as far as this goes. I don't want to get any phone calls about, good for him. They have, they've done a very good job of building up a roster with, not to sound cliched, but I guess it does, more high-character guys. More, you know, not, not every one of them by any means, but they do, have, they do seem to have a core group of players, starting with probably like a Greenway and a Bridgewater of guys who aren't going to get in trouble. Look at the guys they've drafted recently. They have what looks like a clear personality profile. Look at Trey Waynes, Anthony Barr, Teddy Bridgewater. These are all soft-spoken, mild-mannered guys, guys that you would expect to see. Bad quotes. For media, anyway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. But you've jinxed it now, so. Hey, they went Trey Waynes over Marcus Peters. Yeah. 
who the corner who went they to Kansas City. Did that based on character. Yeah, character concerns. I'd actually heard from somebody who was in the vehicle that picked. It was for the top thirty visit uh, that Marcus Peters had in Minnesota that spring, and they obviously asked those people. You know, how did he treat you? Whatever. We want to know what he's like outside of the presence of coaches and really? players. Treated him like trash, apparently, and just wasn't good on the way to the airport and back and stuff. And th- I'm not saying that's the sole reason why you don't no, draft somebody, in. but it's certainly oh, right. a piece of the puzzle 100%. when a guy's already got questions about him. So, and then Trey Wayne's being the mild mannered guy he is, it just juxtaposed. Mm-hmm. Judd, Matt Khalil and Adrian Peterson were recently named two of the most 10 overpaid NFL veterans. In the league, and now here's where the context is. I read that piece; I, I totally understand it, and I totally agree with it in in the context of what it is. Yep. Uh, however, the Vikings aren't necessarily hurt by it because Teddy Bridgewater is earning pennies compared to every other starting quarterback. Um, they are very savvy with the salary cap in terms of the extensions they do. Harrison Smith, his his cap hit went up two million this year, even though he became the highest paid safety. So they they push things down the road. They know how to budget it out. Yes. Um, but at the same time. Matt Cleel earning $11 million when we find out, maybe look at the NBA. Free agency is about to start in the NBA. There are going to be a lot of terrible players who are earning a lot more money than Matt oh, Cleel. And that's all guaranteed, yeah. All guaranteed. And, and, and Khalil's is guaranteed for now, but it, it's one year. They, see, here's my thought about Like DeMar DeRozan is going to be a max player. Oh, and Matthew Dellavedova, we were talking about that today's show, is going to get huge money probably from Philadelphia. But Philadelphia, the Sixers need, I want to say they need to spend $60 million to get to the Floor? So they're going to give Harrison Barnes, a guy who missed 30 shots in a game. Uh, the Vikings, yeah, the con- yeah they, trying to d- dissect contracts in the NFL is so difficult because in the long-term deal, so much, so much ordinarily is not guaranteed, and you got to look at the guaranteed money. In the case of the Peterson and Khalil contracts, I'll, I'll say this. The Khalil draft pick might not work out, and if it doesn't, that's a bad miss because this should have been a guy who was here for 10 to 15 years. Uh, that being said, they picked up the option for this year, which is a lot, but that's it. If Matt Khalil flames out now, if Matt Khalil had a bad contract and we were talking about a five-year deal still, then that's a problem. So my point is this, you can absorb his hit under the salary cap, as you just explained for 2016. And if he stinks, guess what? He doesn't come back. So the contract looks bad, but actually because it's just for one more year, is not that bad. And Peterson's contract was redone, and it's going to jump up again next year, and he's either going to get a reworked contract again next season in 2017 or not be back. So trying to look at an NFL contract and pass judgment is way more difficult. In baseball, a contract is what it is, and if it's got time left and guaranteed, which all the cash is, it's a bad contract. In both these cases, I know what the author is trying to say with Khalil Peterson. However, you'd if you're a Viking fan, you don't look at those contracts and say, that's terrible because that could be spent on player X, Y, or Z. Well, no, especially, too, when you see how uh, much of a crapshoot NFL free agency is in general anyway. I mean, nobody takes visits anymore. They just sign on the bottom line, fax it over. Ndamukong Sue visits were so much fun back in the day. Gets $100 million. Well, they do. Some take visits, but then the Vikings well, just... Well, and Sue got a ridiculous amount, and that m- might be a problem. But the Vikings, are, I mean, we, we've talked about this a lot before, especially with Ben. The Vikings, when it comes to how their salaries are structured... 
are actually run really well. Yeah, and that's what I was trying to bring up before and yeah. saying that this is a very cap-healthy team and that they don't make other bad decisions that stop them from making what look like on the surface bad decisions with Khalil Peterson. And they retain their own play. And this is a reminder, too, of the historical investment this team has made in Adrian Peterson, who is the highest-earning running back in league history by far, and that's not counting the $12 million he's going to earn this year and perhaps even more moving forward from the Vikings or, or whatever other team. Sure. You brought up the fact that Peterson's contract reworked last summer was a three-year $42 million deal. The last guaranteed money on that's going to be paid out to him this year. So then they are going to reach that crossroads crossroads with Adrian next year at right. the point where before March or whatever it is, they're going to have to decide, okay, we go back to the drawing board here with your contract or however the season plays out, perhaps they part ways. But this team is invested now. It will be over $80 million after at when they reach that point in this running back. Is is any running back worth eighty million? Jim? But Andrew, it's not a black and white question because well, no, but you're talking about Peterson, who is who is the best running back of this generation of players in a league that's de-emphasized that position. So you can't compare him to Emmett because when Emmett was in Dallas, the okay, running back position was more. Important. Let me add context to that. Then this situation, today's NFL, 2016. Let's say you drafted him in 2010. Whatever this this era of football, a running back can't be worth that. I think on the surface because of the fact that what it's going to take away from your other teams. Now you can do that, and I'm saying yeah. this. I'm saying this over the life of a deal. I'm not saying this. The Vikings could afford to do this because they've had to draft right. rookie quarterback after rookie quarterback to try and find the guy that they could pay eventually, if which they at- haven't done. Yet. If you're asking me, is he worth that much? Then my next response to you is, I probably would have built my offense differently, and got and and worked damn hard to get more stability at quarterback than this organization has done in the last X amount of years. So probably not. Do I understand that they that they think and realize they have a generationally great player, and that's why they're paying him like this? Yes, but but at the end of the day. The Vikings, I've covered the Vikings uh, since 2005. Do I think offensively they've been built really well since that time? The answer is no, because you have to get more stability at quarterback. Teavers have come and gone too much. It is an unfair question because it, we're, we're looking at, I'm looking at the result of something and saying, would you sign the dotted line 10 years ago and take it? Where the reason why they did all this and the reason why they could do all this is because, like you said, the offense has had to been rebuilding around a quarterback every four years or every three years. Uh, the wide receivers have been in and out via free agency and busted draft picks. And so all of those different things have allowed them to basically say, okay, we have to run our offense through this antiquated position. Uh, that really in the NFL, like the Patriots do, or like other position, or excuse me, other good franchises do, playoff Super Bowl contending teams do, is just churn them out. Basically, just picking them off the scrap heap and churning them out. And now you can, I think Adrian is such a unique position because he is the last, like we've said before, the last workhorse guy in the NFL. He's right. the last kind of major bell cow back. Maybe you look at Le'Veon Bell, Jamal Charles, but those guys aren't taking 300 carries yeah. like Adrian is. And the league doesn't. Um cater its game towards that position at all now or that style of back yes like Le'Veon Bell's a receiving back so is Jamal Correct. Charles those guys fit better Correct. with what this league is going toward uh but here's the I guess here's the simplest way to put my thought process on this when it comes to the Vikings offense since I started to cover the team I started covering them in 2005 uh which is the year that Culpepper got hurt the Vikings have not had a developed quarterback who is able to maintain the job now this could change w- with Bridgewater we don't know yet but since 2005, when Culpepper got hurt, the day that his knee basically blew up in Carolina, that was the last time they had a quarterback on the field who they developed and was the solution in, in their minds. After that, you go to a lot of veterans. You go to Tavares Jackson. You go to Ponder. You go to to their best years, which were 
Brett Favre. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Vikings, the most important position, maybe in sports, but certainly in football, has not been adequately addressed by the Vikings since early or halfway through the season in, in 2005. Because at least then with Culpepper, no matter what you thought of him, and I didn't love him, but you had addressed it, and he had yeah. a magnificent 2004. But since that day, it's been a revolving door of quarterbacks, which Bridgewater might solve, but we can't sit here and say that for sure at this point either. So that, to me, is the most interesting dynamic about this offense. Speaking of quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford over in Detroit said the Lions could be harder to defend without Calvin Johnson. And now this is something, and this is a hot take that, sorry, Matthew, you weren't the first one to come up with. Did he really say that? He did. Oh, my gosh. How do we miss he said that he, he said that because it's easier to know where Does the ball listen? was going with Calvin Johnson. However, he must listen Does to listen? Royce, ride with Royce because Chris Reavers, many, many moons ago. With you on the air. With me on the air, I couldn't believe when he said it. Said that, well, well, hold on now. Could they be tougher to defend without Calvin Johnson? And I just, I think the the take that we use to replay on join-ins or whatever is me saying, like, wait, what? Like, really? Like, you think, like, what? Yeah. What? So Stafford went there? Well, he did. Yeah, but no, hold on. He, he has to believe that. I mean, he's dating the girl who's not that good-looking okay, anymore. And he goes, no, she's just But I got to be honest with you. It's one thing to to sort of convince yourself of that in your head. It's another to actually verbalize it. I think I would just let it lie. I think I would just say Calvin yeah, was a great player. Yeah, but you're going to get asked about that. You can't just but let But how it. about this? Calvin Johnson was a great player, and we'll miss him. I'm confident in the parts that we have in this offense going forward. Well, the Lions did invest. And again, they're not going to be harder to defend. I'm not jumping on that side of the fence. They did invest in the wide receiver position in the offseason, at least adding the guy from Cincinnati who got 100 targets and Marvin Jones along with Golden Tate. It's not Calvin Johnson. I know that. So, no, they're not going to be easier to defend. But if you were a quarterback, if you were a guy like Matthew Stafford, I have no problem with him saying it. Uh, I do have a problem with Chris Reavers, though, who's paid to have smart sports takes. Our producer say it. I think anyone um, saying it is hilariously and uproariously funny, and I love it. <laughs> it's one of the most asinine things I've ever heard. It's like the defensive line is going to be better without so Dominic right and Sue. In, am, am I right in saying, and, and this league is weird, so teams do pop up. I'm confident in saying this, though. This division, the North, is it's a two team race and that's it. I mean Chicago I think Chicago's getting I think Chicago's got direction, but I don't think they're gonna be good. And man I think Chicago I could think Detroit's gonna be a train wreck again. I think Chicago could be a little like the Vikings last year, not as good, not as overachieving. Um I think John I mean, look at John Fox. I think no, I'm a fan. Especially, I think. I like him. Here's the thing. I think his. I think the Bears right now have weapons on offense, and they have the mind and John Fox for the defense. Uh, I think they and Vic Fangio, obviously coming from San Francisco, they've got the. I think they've got the right coaching staff and in I place, think, which is what the Vikings had, and all you need is time. Then at that, point. I was going to say, but I think Chicago strikes me, and correct me if you think I'm wrong here. Chicago strikes me as being a, probably a year out from actually making a run of some. People sort. thought that about the Vikings last year, though. Yeah, that's that's true. what I'm trying to say, and that I think because they've got. But they still Detroit's have Alshon Jeffrey. Mess. They still have Jay Cutler. Jay, Jeremy Langford at running back was uh, good when they when Matt Forte went down, when Harrison Smith knocked him out. Sure. Um, I still think the Bears. That's yeah, true. Here's the thing. I think Detroit is the dumpster fire. And how sure did, fire. Why didn't they fire Jim Caldwell? Well. He's not a good coach. Who's out there? I mean, I guess you're going to take a swing on the next young assistant yeah, somewhere. Yeah, I would have gotten somebody um, else. And they fired everybody else. I mean, they cleaned out their front office during the season last year. They did. Year. Absolutely. They basically... They actually, they did. They brought in... They did clean out the front Old office Lady and brought Ford in... fired everybody. They brought in um, Bob Quinn from New England. Yeah. And so they do have somebody who's reputable now in that personnel department. 
Um, still, though, I think losing Calvin Johnson, well, I, I don't see I'm with you, though. I like where Chicago's going. I just don't know where they're going to be for this year. I think it could be, though, like if we're talking end of season records, I don't know why it couldn't be something like a 12 and 4, 11 and 5, 8 and 8. Those three, yeah, eight, meaning yeah. those three kind of like sure. where it's not totally, you know, I, th- I still think four. Detroit's like the Vikings. Oh, who knows? Who's 12 and 4? Could be, uh, could be Green Bay. Could be the Vikings. I don't know. I don't know. How much is being indoors going to help them? That'll be interesting, too. It's going to help the uh, special teams. It'll help do you the make kicker it, and punter, I think. Do you make a 27-yard field? I don't know if the outdoors is what pushed Blair Walsh's 27-yard field goal to the left side. I don't think it solely is. I don't think it helped him. Probably not. I mean, yeah, it's a bad miss. And his that was it felt more people like, that know a lot more about kicking than I do but it felt found more like, flaws in found flaws in the fundamentals of the kick itself. So I think you're probably right. It felt more like the ghost of Vikings past what I, shoving that. But ball. what I'm saying is, let's forget that miss for a second because it was so bad. Uh, let's just go back to Blair Walsh as a kicker and recall that his rookie year in the dome. Oh yeah, when he had the confidence of kicking inside and no conditions. And Jeff Locke too. Let's not forget. I think was... kickers. I think kickers and knuckleball p- pitchers have the similarity of if you pitch in a dome with a knuckleball, nothing can affect where it goes. Wind conditions and things like that. And I think kickers like that stability too. And I think so do quarterbacks. And yeah. And I, I I'll say this. I think for positions like kicker, peace of mind's a big deal. Because I think there's so much mentally that's screwed. And there's there's no way. It's like golfing. Yes, exactly. There's yeah, no yeah. way that you can be, for as easy as their jobs seem to people because they don't have to do a lot of work, there's no way that you can line up for a field goal with everyone watching you and and think to yourself, oh, no problem at all. It's gotten out. I'm sure there's the rare guy that doesn't screw with his head. But it's got to be normal for you to be thinking about a lot. So if you take weather out completely and subtract it, I would think that that was a peace of mind because that that rookie year, Blair Walsh, Blair Walsh went from having a really questionable poor year at Georgia in his last year to making a few adjustments and being lights out that first year here. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too, where this team kind of how how it won games last year is not how it's going to try to win games moving forward. I mean, certainly on defense, that's how they're going to try to win games. But when you look at. Yep. Uh, being led by Adrian Peterson, that hard-nosed defense, it was it was perfectly suited for the outdoor TCF Bank Stadium cold weather games. It's just the quarterback, you know, wasn't. Now you see them move indoors, and you wonder, okay, is is the strength of that now going to be uh, siphoned a little bit because they aren't going to be outdoors? I think it's the perfect time for them to do that because now they're trying to get this offense into Teddy Bridgewater's hands, and then maybe you bring up a couple of your specialists who had uh, down years last year. How's Jeff Locke going to be? Do you think? Well, he's kicking now to stave off competition. They've got a couple guys on speed dial, and just in case. And so this spring, but they're not bringing them to training camp, right? Well, that's just it. They might. Okay. So they've got two open roster spots. They very well could decide to. Interesting. Um, so that's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, we might bring in somebody to replace Ben Guessing on this podcast, though, if he doesn't show well, the up. Lack of commitment is inexcusable. Ninety-five percent of Uber Eats orders are on time, which is great because when I want my spicy shrimp pad thai, I want it on time. Because baby, there's no time like the present especially when it's Pad Thai related. But on the off chance your order is late, Uber Eats will give you three months, $0 delivery fee with a free Uber One membership. On time, Pad Thai, baby. On time claim based on latest arrival time shown after order is placed. Offer ends to 19 Current Uber One members not eligible. Subscription will auto-renew at nine ninety nine each month, starting three months from initial enrollment. See Uber.com slash Uber One for terms. Benefits available only for eligible stores. Order minimums apply.